John chapter 9, if you would stand, would you find your place there? John chapter 9. We hear a little bit on last Sunday, last Sunday morning, and then to be honest with you, I've been debating this back and forth and praying about it, and then this morning in Sunday school, um, Lord really nailed down, this is where, I'm, where I need to be, where I ought to be, and um, you, we'll get to that here in a minute. But John chapter 9, verse number 1, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth, all the way down to verse number 24. Then again called they the man that was blind and said to him, give God the praise, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that where I was, I was blind. Now I see. You can be seated. I preached a few minutes this morning on this thought. This one thing I know, I can trust Jesus. Lord, thank you for this day. I think all you've done for us, Lord. Thank you for being here this morning. And Lord, thank you for moving the service already, Lord, making it obvious for where we ought to be here, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you for being real to us. Lord, I pray you help me. And as I preach, pray you give me words to say to help this congregation and Lord, I pray your will be done here today, all day long, Lord, and I pray you help us today in Jesus' name, amen. We're back here in John chapter 9 again. Like I said last night, we preached a, a little bit into this chapter, really preached the first few verses and went back to verse number 1 and stayed pretty much there. We saw a man which was blind from his birth. We gave a little bit of introduction there. I'm thankful, like I did last week, I'm thankful that even in the dark time that Jesus was in for, for us, it would have been literal death. For Jesus there at the end of chapter 8, they were attempting to stone him. But he hid himself and passed right by him. And as he passed by, it says, verse 8, chapter 8, verse 59, Then they took up stones to cast him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. The very next verse, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. I'm thankful that even in the dark times, even in the hard times, Jesus is still looking for the blind men. What an example for us today. Even in the hard times, we ought to be looking for the blind man, trying to give the gospel. I'm thankful that Jesus, even... even he can still see the blind man even when he's, all that's going on. And I'm still convicted about that. And I hadn't got away from that. Lord hadn't let me get away from that. But that's what we preached on last week. And I've been struggling back to get back into this chapter again. The reason for that is I've already preached this passage before, not all that long ago, a few months ago. And I preached on this one thing I know. And I already told you the title for today. And I didn't deal with much outside this chapter. just stayed right here and preached on the salvation-type message, which is right here on this text. And you can preach all over this message and get that over and over again. There's so much truth inside this chapter alone. But I didn't just want to give you just a rerun of what I preached before, but I didn't want to skip over the chapter either. I tried to go to chapter number 10. Lord wouldn't give me peace about skipping this. So I began to look at this passage again. I believe there's a reason we're here today. Even went back and looked at the sermon I preached before to make sure I wouldn't preach the same thing again. And Lord reminded me of some things that I have not forgotten. And it's some things I didn't mention last time that need to be mentioned. I don't, I don't know much. I don't claim to be a scholar. I don't, I'm definitely not a Bible scholar. I don't think there is such thing as a Bible scholar, only Bible students. Scholars know all there is to know about a subject. You can't know everything there is to know about the Bible. If you think you have, you ought to go read your Bible a little bit. So I don't know everything. But one thing I do know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. There's a few more things we can know for a fact. There's no excuse for not being educated. That's not what I'm saying here this morning. I believe we ought to always be learning. Nothing wrong with education. We ought to have it. I think it's important. But don't think you know it all. Even the Apostle Paul, who was a Pharisee of Pharisees, he called himself. He knew the law from top to bottom, front to back. He said this, 1 Corinthians 2, 2, For I determined not to do anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I don't know a lot, but one thing I do know is Jesus. Paul, an educated man, well-educated, experienced in the ways of Judaism, like I said, he said, I have determined not to do anything among you, save Jesus Christ. What is he saying? He said, I lay aside all the elegance of speech, all my fancy words and education. He said, I just want to know Jesus. 
And I just want to tell you about Jesus. One thing I know that I've met before is Jesus. If we forget him, we've forgotten the very center of all we're supposed to be doing here. I told you over and over again, and we've seen it here in the book of John over and over again. This entire book, this entire Bible, cover to cover, it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. The Old Testament's looking forward to him. The New Testament's giving his life on earth and looking backward at him, what he has done and what he will do in the future. It's all about him. Jesus is not a New Testament idea. He is the very center of the entire 66 books of the, of the Bible. He's the center of it all. And if we forget about him, we forgot about it all. You don't have to be a highly educated person to be used of God. You don't have to be a scholar to be saved. You just have to know one thing, and that's Jesus. Little children, they don't have to have it all figured out because they don't. I still don't have it all figured out. They can use that childlike faith and just trust in him, and it'll save them the same way, same way he saved the Harvard professor. He gets saved the same way. It takes childlike faith in Jesus Christ. This one thing I know. The Lord's talking to preach just a few minutes on this thought. This one thing I know, I can trust Jesus. We gave a little bit of an introduction in the chapter past week. We saw the blind man. He was, a, he was a literal blind man. We talked about that from his birth. He was literally healed from his blindness, not just a picture. He really was blind. He really then could see. The disciples, they were confused about his blindness. They were looking for somebody to blame for it. We do the same thing. Jesus said he was blind that the works of God should be made manifest in him. He was blind simply so Jesus could heal him. And Jesus could use the opportunity to show who he was and preach the truth of the gospel to those Pharisees that were not happy about him being healed from his blindness. So he's literally blind. Jesus spit in the clay. We talked about that. He put it, put it on the man's eyes. He told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he did. He went and washed, and then he saw. Very simple. Imagine that, listening to Jesus' works. Imagine what a, what a concept. So as you can imagine, this began to create, create quite the stir among the Jews. The Pharisees didn't like it. They don't understand how Jesus is performing miracles. If they don't believe him to be of God, yet he's performing miracles. They can't deny it. He really was performing those. It says in verse 16, there was a division among them because he performed the miracles on the Sabbath. So he can't be of God, they said. And they say, well, he performed the miracles, so he has to be of God. So you see their predicament. So they go ask the blind man's parents. They said, is this your son? I was giving you a little bit of an overview of the chapter here. They said, is this your son? Was he blind before? How can he see now? They said, Yay, that, yes, that's our son. Yes, he was blind. He's an adult. Go ask him how he can see. Now, he's of age. Ask him, they said. His parents said that, of course, because they were afraid what the Jews might do to them if they said Jesus was the Christ. So in verse number 22, it tells us about that. They would put out of the synagogue if they admitted who Jesus was. And his parents weren't willing to do that. So they threw their own son under the bus, so to speak. They said, he is of age. Go ask him. If he wants to perjure him, if he wants to be thrown in the synagogue, let him do it himself. We're not going to get involved in that. So the Pharisees did. They went and asked him. Verse 24, the verse we read earlier. You see, the Pharisees coming to him. They again called they the man that was blind. And said to him, give God the praise. Of course, we're talking about God the Father. They don't believe in Jesus as the God. Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. We're speaking of Jesus. He answered, said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. He said, look, all I know is I came in, I was blind. He walked up, and now I'm not blind no more. <laughs> Who he is, I don't quite know. He'll figure that out in a few verses. But what I do know is he healed me, and now I can see. That's all I, got. That's all I can tell you. I couldn't see before this man named Jesus came along, and now I can't. How he did it, I couldn't tell you, but that's what he did. I really like this man here. Look at the next couple of verses. John chapter 9, verse number 26. I promise we're getting somewhere with this. Then said they to him again, who did he to thee? What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? 
He said, look, I've already told you what you need. Why do you want to hear it again? Are you going to be his disciple? Are you going to be his disciple? Do you want to follow him also? I like this guy. And they're about to throw him out of synagogue for what he's saying. Look at this man's message, verse 28. He's not even saved yet, verse 28. Then they reviled him and said, thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. They thought they were being arrogant, but really, they're demoting themselves. Verse 29, we know that God spake unto Moses, as for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered unto him, why herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Basically, he says, you're supposed to be the spiritual leaders here in this, in this town. This man heals me, and you don't even know how he did it? That's a marvelous thing. Verse 31, now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, it was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. It's a pretty smart man. They answered unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. He said, Here's a marvelous thing. You don't know who he is, yet he's the one that has the power to heal me. Nobody else on earth has ever been able to do that before, but he can. And you think you're the spiritual leaders here. That's a marvelous thing. He said, he could, if, he were, if he were not of God, he could do nothing. He said, this one thing, I know this man changed me. If he wasn't of God, how could he do that? This blind man is healed and instantly begins to preach to these Pharisees on Jesus and what he can do, and in turn, cast, and they, they cast him out. He doesn't even know that Jesus is the son of God yet, but he knows something's different about him. He's defending them here. He said, I don't know who he, how he did it. I don't know who he is. This one thing, I know I was blind, but now I see. And look what happens. This is the best part of the chapter here. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said to him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. It's pretty simple. He didn't have to know much. He just said 13 words here, and his life was changed for eternity. His life was changed that day on earth, as he could see. Then his eternity was changed as well on the same day. He said, he said Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And he said, Lord... I believe. And that's all it took. He's not blind physically or spiritually anymore. And the one thing he knew was Jesus. Jesus continues on, verse 39. And Jesus said, For judgment I am coming to this world, that they which see not might see, that they, may, that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you, shall have no, you should have no sin but now you say we see, therefore your sin remaineth. What does this mean? He says, for judgment I'm coming to this world, that they which see not might see, and they which see might be made blind. Verse 41, if you were blind, you should have no sin, but now you say you see, therefore your sin remaineth. What, this, what does this mean? It means you can't be saved until you're lost. Pretty simple. The first step to getting saved is realizing you're lost and on your way to hell. You can't be healed from blindness until you admit you're a blind man. You can't correct your path until you realize you're on the wrong one. The lost man can't be a saved man until he admits he's a lost man. The blind man can't see until he, comes, until he, he, can't, until he admits he can't see. It's not going to fix anything. Jesus said, if you were blind, you'd admit that you were blind. Then you should have no sin. Why? Because they could be washed clean from him. But now, we, now you say we see. Therefore, there are these Pharisees think they are perfect. If following the law perfectly, they think they don't need Jesus. And therefore, he says, your sin remaineth. You think you're perfect? You think you don't need me, then your sin remaineth. You may remain blind. I'm trying to preach on this thought just for a few minutes. It's one thing. No, Paul said that. 1 Corinthians 2, 2. 
For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I don't know a lot. There's a few things I do know. I was blind. I myself was blind. Believe it or not, I used to be a blind man too. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I was a blind man spiritually headed for hell until Jesus saved my soul. I was blinded by sin. You say, well, how did that happen? The same way it happened to this man. John 9, 1, and Jesus passed by. He saw a man which was blind from his birth. Brother Dale mentioned that in Sunday school. For all has to come short of the glory of God from birth. Romans 5, 12. I was born into it. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, we have been born blind. Death came unto all men. We have been born sinners. You were born blind too, whether you admit it or not. And if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are still blind. Notice in verse 1, the only thing they point out is that he was blind. According to verse number 8, John 9, 8, The neighbors therefore, and they which before had seen him that was blind, said, is this not he that sat and begged? So not only is he a blind man, he's a blind beggar. Without God today, that's where I would be. Bound by sin debt, bound to suffer, just sitting and begging and waiting. This man, his entire life up until now, has been blinded by sin, blinded physically, but blinded by sin as well, never known anything different. These Pharisees are arguing back and forth. All he's seen his entire life is religion and Pharisees and bickering back and forth, all these things that he couldn't measure up to until he met Jesus. They're having their theological dissertations on why Jesus can't be God because he performed this miracle on a Sabbath day. This man says, look, it's one thing I know. Where I was, I was blind. I'm not blind anymore. We can have long discussions on this. We can debate it. We can argue it till we're blue in the face. But the fact of the matter is I was a blind man headed for hell until Jesus came along. I don't have to know a lot. A young child does not have to know a lot. You can still understand one thing. They were sinners. They were blind. And now you don't have to be that way anymore through Jesus. If there is anyone here this morning that's lost, I beg you to listen to me. Just as a blind man, just as blind as a blind man was, so was I. If it weren't for the saving grace of Jesus Christ today, I'd still be nothing more than a blind beggar on my way to hell. I may not be the best preacher, I admit that, but this one thing I do know, I was lost and I was on my way to hell, and Jesus saved my soul. Have you ever in your life been lost? Have you ever realized you're a lost sinner on your way to hell and to the judgment of God? Has it ever been you? Have you ever realized that before? Have you ever been lost before? If you have, did you ask him to forgive you? Can you see now? Are you, has that been gone? Are you, have you received him? Are you blind today? As long as you think you don't need him, you won't have him. Are you blind? One thing I know I was blind, number two, now I see. Very simple. We already talked about this. Verse 25. Yes, so whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, whereas I was blind, now I see. Jesus passed by that day, and this man was never the same again. He was blind, now he can see. He's been blind from birth, never seen anything before. Spent his adult life on the street begging. Jesus passed by and decided to stop by and change this man's life for forever. There was a day I was an 11-year-old boy, and Jesus passed by my way. He convicted me and pulled me, and I fought it all day long, couldn't get away from it. He said, Preacher, I don't know about all that conviction stuff. I may not know a lot, but this is one thing I know. I was blind, and now I said, I can tell you what happened to me. I was blinded by sin. Jesus came by. I was a religious boy, so to speak. I was raised in church. I thought I was a good boy. The Holy Spirit convicted, and I fought it all day, literally. Later that night, I knelt down in my living room at my parents' house and asked Jesus to save my soul. He said, what happened? I came back seeing. I knelt down. I was a blind man, a blind boy, lost boy. And Jesus washed me pure snow, and I came back seeing. You say, what'd you do, preacher? It wasn't me. I didn't do it. I just had to repent. It was him that did the saving. This one thing I know, I was blind and now I see. Never been the same since then. 
There's a change in me that never goes away. It turns to the inside. It's evident on the outside. Of course, I've sinned since then. Don't get me wrong. I've messed up. I've tripped up over and over and over again. But once saved, always saved. There's a record book. Now I see. Those are good things. We know those two things. But there are other few things I know as well. Some promises we've been given in Scripture. There's a bunch of them. I can give you just three of them. If you've been born blind, you can ask Jesus to save. You're no longer blind. You can see. There's a few other things we can know also. Number one, I was blind. Number two, now I see. Number three, he's not going anywhere. Hebrews 13, 5. Go ahead and turn there. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 5. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 5. It says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember that when you have the rule over you, who have spoken to you the word of God, whose faith follow, concerning the end of their conversation, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus Christ is the same God back then that he is today. He doesn't change. He, doesn't, he never will. Always the same. Like I said before last week, truth does not change. It can't change. If it does change, it wouldn't be truth. Truth does not change. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He does not change, and he's not going anywhere. We don't have to worry about waking up tomorrow and our God not being there. We read the story, I always like a story there in the Old Testament, and the, the, I think it was Philistines took the Ark of God, and they put it in their temple, and Come the next day, and Dagon fell down, bound down to their, their altar. I'm, I'm glad not to come back tomorrow and pick, back, pick our God back up and put him back into place. He's not going to go anywhere. This COVID stuff we've been dealing with for over a year now, this didn't surprise God. There's junk going on, especially there in Canada. I'm talking about this morning with those pastors getting locked up and warrants being issued and all this other stuff. This did not surprise God. God does not change. He always has been, always will be. The same one was there for the, the people, the New, the apostles in the New Testament for their persecution to be there today. And I, we're nowhere near the persecution they faced back then. But he'll never leave us. He has not appointed us unto wrath. First Thessalonians 5, 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. We know judgment's coming. That means that, means that the saved aren't going to be here for it. And there's a lot more we could get into there. I'm not going to do this morning. I'm thankful for the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, that promise that we have. We're not appointed to wrath. He's not going to forsake us. He's not going to leave us alone. If you're saved today, if you've been blind and now you see, there's another thing you can know without a shadow of a doubt. He will not leave you. You can walk into sin on your own, you and your flesh. You can mess up. You will. We all mess up. Lord will not follow you into sin. He'll not bless sin. He may, have to force, he may be forced to correct sin, but he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's not going to go anywhere, and if you're saved, you're safe forever. There's a record book. It's not going to be erased. It can't be. Don't have to worry about it anymore. You, can't have it. you can have assurance of that. If you're in the sheepfold, you can't get out. That'd be in the next chapter of John. I don't know about you. I'm so thankful that I can trust him to never leave me nor forsake me. I was blind. Now I see, and he's not going anywhere. Not only that, he's not leaving. And that's as simple this morning. But, oh, God, you can trust him. Turn to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number three. I know you already know these verses. 
I know without a doubt I was blind. I know without a doubt now I see. I know without a doubt he'll never leave me. I know without a doubt I can trust him. Proverbs 3, verse number 5, Trust the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. So thankful he's faithful to guide us and direct us. I swear, I said before, I don't know much, but I don't have to, because he'll show me there every step to take. I've been burdened about this a lot lately. Lord used another preacher to remind me of these verses right here this week. Trust, just trust in the Lord. Lean not into our own understanding. Why? Because we may not always understand everything he does. His ways are not our ways. And all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. That's a promise. Trust in the Lord. Put your faith and trust in him. Acknowledge him. What does that mean? He's pray. Pray to him. Ask him for help and guidance. Look towards him for guidance. And what, do what he says. It's very simple. Follow him. Acknowledge him. Look to him. If you look to him, he'll tell you where to step. He say, well, how do you know, preacher? That's the only way I know to live. I've messed up before, and I've tried to trust in my own understanding. And I can promise you it'll never work out. Just look to him. Pray to him. Ask him, and then he'll, he'll wait for him to lead you. He'll guide you if you look to him. We talked about on Wednesday night, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Psalms 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. You can delight in the steps of the Lord if you trust him. I was listening yesterday to an old song. I'm try to read the words to you. I wouldn't try to sing it. It would be terrible. I'm try to read it to you. Once for my poor sin-sick soul, Christ did every burden roll. Now I walked redeemed and whole, hand in hand with Jesus. Hand in hand we walk each day, hand in hand along the way. Walking thus, I cannot stray, hand in hand with Jesus. In my night of dark despair, Jesus heard and answered prayer. Now I'm walking free as air, hand in hand with Jesus. From the straight and narrow way, praise the Lord, I cannot stray, for I'm walking every day hand in hand with Jesus. When the stars are backward rolled in his home, I shall behold. I will walk those streets of gold hand in hand with Jesus. Aren't you thankful for a great big God in heaven, the great shepherd? He says in the next chapter of John, I am the good shepherd. Aren't you thankful he's willing to reach down and guide our steps? Us feeble, nobody's willing to guide our steps. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you, James says. If you'll seek after God, you'll seek after his faith. You'll acknowledge him. He shall direct thy paths. That's a promise from the word of God. The great God in heaven has time. He can make time. He's outside of time. He has time not only to heal your blindness, but he makes time to never leave you. And he makes time to guide every step of the way. If you look to him, he'll guide you. The mistake we make is trying to take the steps on our own without looking to him. Now, I've done that before. Just because the doors, just because there's an open door doesn't mean you should walk through it. If you'll acknowledge him, he shall direct thy path. So we can know a few things. I was blind, now I see. He'll never leave. You can trust him. And lastly, it's very simple. He's coming back. John chapter 14. John chapter 14, says in verse number 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. 
And whether I go, you know, and the way, you know. Who's the way? He is the way. I know this world today is looking dark and bleak, and we talked about that this morning. It's not looking very promising for the next generation, my children. It scares me to think of what it might be for my grandkids one day if the Lord tarries. You know, if I can be honest with you. But what did Jesus say? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Here's the promise. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto my stuff to where I am. There you may be also. Where is he? He's on the right hand of God. He's willing to heal your blindness. He's promised to never leave you. He promised to guide yourselves, and he promised that he's coming back to get you. If you're saved today, we have a promise from Jesus Christ. He will come again, and we will spend eternity with him if you're saved. You realize what that means, don't you? If you're saved today, you don't have to go to hell. Well, I know you already know that. That ought to excite you a little bit anyway. You don't have to go to hell. You get to spend eternity with Jesus Christ, with Jesus and his Father. We have a promise from God that he is coming back to get us. This world is not the end. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. We have a promise from God he's coming back. It's one thing I know. You can trust Jesus. If you're saved today, all you ought to rejoice over. There's so much more to this life, and I don't hate to say it, but then just getting saved. Salvation is the beginning. It's not the end. We have so much more we can do for him, so much more we ought to be doing for him. And he'll guide your steps and tell you what to do. And he'll be with you, and he'll never leave you, and he's coming back to get you. What do you say over in Luke? Luke 21, 28. And when these things began to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. You know why he said to lift up your heads? We had our heads down. It's pretty simple. Gloom and despair, the agony, the horror. People are offended that we're having church and we aren't wearing masks. Oh, the horror, the agony, what persecution. I'd be ashamed to stand in front of Jerusalem church with that excuse. Over in Acts 5, the apostles were beaten for preaching in the name of Jesus. What did they do? They departed rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And they ceased not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. Lift up your head. Get your chin up. Your redemption draweth nigh. We have a promise. This one thing I know, he's coming back. Are you ready? The Christian today ought not be the saddest person in town. Yes, this, this, things are sin is rampant. Things are bad. I understand. Lift up your heads. We have promises we can cling to. He's coming back to get us. We'll be called to meet him in the air. He'll keep and heal blindness. He can save your soul, but he doesn't just stop there. He'll never leave you. He'll tell you every step to take, and he's coming back to get you. What a promise we have. This one thing I know is I can trust Jesus. That's all I need to know. He's all I need. Do you know him today? Very simple message. This one thing I know, I was blind, and now I'm not. And then there are a few more promises we can count on. He'll never leave us. He'll guide us every step. He's coming back. And that just scratches the surface. I've, I've count, I have not counted myself. One man counted and said there are 8,810 promises made by God in the Bible. 7,487 of them were made from God to humankind. Now, some of them are to the Jews. Not all of them are to us. But that's a lot of promises. <laughs> he's made a lot of promises. You can count him. You can trust him. He's going to follow through with every one of them. He always has. Every prophecy he made about Jesus' life on earth, he fulfilled while he was here. He keeps his promises. Revelation is not a fairy tale. It will come to pass. He gave us the scripture. Every part of it is true. Every jot and every tittle of the verse says. We can count on it. You can take it to the bank. It's more strong than the bank. You can trust him. Maybe you are saved today. Maybe you know that you are blind. You know that you, you were blind. Now you can see. There's so much more to this life. Now it's time to serve. 
Just trust him. Just lean on him. Count on him. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. He shall direct thy paths. He said, I don't understand what's going on. You don't have to. Just trust him. He's worthy. He's able. Do you trust him, church? Just one thing I know you can trust. Psalms 56.3. What time I'm afraid, I'll trust in thee. We taught same in that verse when he was little. We look at it as a little kid's verse. That's for me too. That's an easy to, that's easy to say. That's all the thing to live. I'm thankful in the dark times of life and we don't understand which way to go and understand why God's doing what he's doing or what to do. You can trust him. He's worthy today. Do you know him? Would you like to meet him? It's one thing I know. You can trust Jesus. He made some promises. He's going to keep them. He's coming back. 